Hey everyone, happy statutory holiday. This is the high school holiday special. This episode is kind of not an episode. It is just a chat with my very, very good friend, Callum McCullough Graham. We have played in bands together. We've been good, good friends for the last like 10 years. And uh, we just wanted to hang out and drink and be merry and talk on this show. I figure very few people will listen to this episode, but the lonely people who might listen to this episode, we you're welcome. You're in our family between Calum and I. We talk a little bit about a new band that we're starting. We talk about Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon 3. It's a good time. This is, yeah, this is just a long conversation with us really going off the deep end, like really going down some rabbit holes. So... We will, next week, on New Year's Day, be back to regularly scheduled programming. I'm not going to bother you again. I'm just going to let this chat with Callum roll. And uh, the the outro music will will cue the end. But next week, on New Year's Day, I will be back with episode 12, which will be a chat with Tanner James, the fantastic Southern Alberta troubadour. Anyway, I hope that everyone is staying afloat, supporting their local businesses, doing all that good stuff, checking on their friends. I love you all. Thanks so much for being here. Well, this is our very like unorthodox uh, Christmas special. I figure probably like no one's going to listen to this episode. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. I mean, they probably have better things to do. There's absolutely no reason to. I mean, it's Christmas for God's sake talk to your families what's wrong with you that's is it okay if i start the podcast berating your audience i i think that you know it'll be a change of pace but but we're here for it we can do multiple takes you can cut this out right or is this oh god are we live streaming (laughs) you know i always try to not cut anything out like on the last episode i accidentally (laughs) said postpartum instead of (laughs) postmortem In what context? I was like, oh yeah, that postpartum Elliot Smith album. (laughs) The one after he got super sad when he had a baby? Yeah, that's why he stabbed himself a bunch of times, right? Wait, what? Because that's how Elliot Smith killed himself. Oh yeah, for sure. No, it's a conspiracy. He was killed by the CIA, I think. I don't know, who cares? Yeah, the CIA was, like, mad that people, like, too many men were being sad instead of angry. Yeah, yeah. Too too, too much uh, emotional vulnerability from the male race can be a really dangerous thing. Absolutely. I think the CIA was just realizing that, like, no one was going to join the army if they were busy crying. Well, yeah, no, that's what I mean by dangerous. Like, dangerous to the war economy that was, you know, fueling the United States at that. Well, it still is. Whatever. Yeah, it's bad. No crying, boys. No crying. Did we actually just solve everything? Is Phoebe Bridgers next? <laughs> I, I think Phoebe Bridgers might be a psyop. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't know. She's like seemingly like anti-SSRI and pro like working on yourself. So I, no, I don't that's, know. Yeah, I, psyops can be positive now. Okay. Up, we have good psyops now. Well, yeah, I might be a good psyop. Who knows? That's why no one's going to listen to this. I'm just your implanted memories. 
You might be. I've, I've wondered that. Like, like yeah. what, what are the odds that at Springbank High School, we both ended up in the same school at the same time? Yeah, I definitely, it might be evidence of the simulation. You know it's what I was too- thinking about, though? What? I was like, if we're living in a simulation, how cruel is it to program the simulation to, like, always ask if it's real? Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, it, it's like, um, it, it, it's like if you got two kids and, like, adopted two kids and, and you put them in a house together and you taught one English and one Spanish and just tried to see which one learned the other's language first and that one was the superior child, that's like the simulation. It's kind of like uh, like that Rick and Morty episode with the snakes. Yeah, what snakes? I totally forget the snakes episode. Wow, <laughs> like, we're, re- we're really going off on a tangent. I think that's the point of this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Happy I'm, holidays. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. Are we in a simulation? Um, if we are, what kind of cruel, sick bastard programmed us to wonder if we are in a simulation all the time? It's like the Truman Show. If Truman like constantly had the suggestion that he was in a show, I- intentionally, yeah, and, and there was absolutely no hero's journey. Like the character arc sucks, and the writers are kind of dicks. Like ever, they're really cruel. Do you ever wonder if we're like all just complacent in like someone's central narrative? Like, like what if, what if? Tim Cook is like the only cognizant being and we're all here just to populate Tim Cook's world. If that's true, I am so fucked because I've said horrible things about Tim Cook to you and many others in Instagram DMs. Well, it's because of autocorrect. You gotta like... Yeah, but I let, you know how much I let it out. I can't even let it out this much on the show. Yeah, we would probably like... There is a degree of quality... To maintain here, like even though this is oh, an outlier yeah. episode, we can't, we can't go on a Tim Cook rant because honestly, it might be the thing that gets you canceled. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but you know what? We'll we'll steer we'll steer clear, Tim Cook. How have your holiday seasons been? Oh, it, it's it's been. It's uh, been. I mean, I, I know my mom got me Blundstones for Christmas, so like, I can. I don't know if anyone like with bangs is single and looking for someone, but I will know soon. Wow. Is that what those do? I think so. Or maybe it's like, I don't know. What are Blundstones for? No, docks are more the bangs like market. I think Blundstones uh, are more the like Patagonia market. Okay. Okay. So it, these stones, uh, are they, are they, uh, is this some sort of crystal thing? I'm totally out of the loop. I live in the woods now. Oh, word. So, so Blundstones are those boots, those slip-on boots that every hipster has with the elastic, like... Say no more. I don't need to know. <laughs> Just, you have them now. Well, I will. Oh, you will? Okay. Well, I hope you love them. I hope you enjoy them. I, I think I will. I think that will really affirm my identity as a folk musician. <laughs> Can I get you one of those hats that has the flat brim all the way around it? <laughs> I, uh, if, if Dallas Green wears it, I know I'm going too far. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's like, uh, 
it, it, it's like if Wade gets it tattooed on him, I, I just, I, I, I need it now, you know? I like that Dallas and Wade are opposite tastemakers. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, if Wade yeah, doesn't and, do and, it... And Dallas is now an ironic tastemaker. Like, people are like... <laughs> Which I love. I did, love that for him. Did you ever see that uh, shit Calgarians say video? Where, like, when they make fun of Edmonton, they're like, Oh, yeah, let's, like, walk down White Ave and listen to Dallas Green. <laughs> That's good. That is funny. Which is like the most Edmonton thing I have ever heard. I when you said have you seen that shit Calgarian say video, I thought you were talking about this one. Like the one we're in right now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's becoming a compilation rather quickly. This is like Yeah, the, already we've covered a lot of bases. No, like I was talking to you about that podcast where it literally seemed like someone was dissociating. Right. And then as soon as I started talking to you, I was like, oh my God, that's what our podcast is, is going to be. Yeah. I'm almost thinking like this could be an entirely different podcast, like a broadcast. Well, you should probably make it that because at this point we are already way outside of, uh, uh, you know, We've already divulged Tim Cook, Kate, you know. Right. I think we, we've mentioned we've mentioned celebrities in strange ways. We're we're going into um, stony waters here. Stony waters. You know, I guess if I have to pick someone to like be leading the charge on things that might end up in my veins, I'd rather Bill Gates than Tim Cook, just by virtue of which <laughs> computer I use. That's that. Not only is that fair, it's logical, it's reasonable, and uh, in the future, it might be the only legal option. So, Right. Do you think we're going to end up in, like, cyberpunk? God, I hope so, because I, I, I would love to walk around with my dick out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can do that now. It's just, like, pretty... <laughs> yeah, legally. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, you, you know, know <laughs> people have been comparing like masks to underwear and I've thought about that and I'm like, you know, as an absolute freedom, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> as an absolute freedom, I, I, I'm not saying that we should be able to walk around without underwear or any covering. Okay. But I, I, I do think it is a fair argument, actually. The more I've thought about it, I'm like, that's kind of true. Yeah. In theory. In theory, if you if you want to express yourself that way, in theory, it's it's it is kind of similar. I guess there is a freedom of expression and in, in walking around naked. There's something there, like something deep seated at least. But you know, uh, I, I I don't I don't think uh, I don't think clothing should ever define your personal expression, like. I think that's increasingly becoming an issue, obviously. But, you know, you should just be yourself. And if that includes walking around with no pants on, uh, if you're doing that for the form of legitimate artistic expression, I think that's fine. But, uh, you know, in general, public nudity probably, like ex extreme public nudity, 
like you see in some video game glitches, should probably not actually be made legal. Yeah, probably not. Like probably not. Like I, I but was having. It's fun to it's fun to crack wise, you know. Well, I was like, I was saying to someone, like, in theory, that the fact that you can't murder someone is an infringement on freedoms. That said, I do appreciate living in a world where you're not supposed to murder people. <coughs> well, it's like, where are you? Where do you draw the line between um, infringing upon someone's freedoms and I don't know, just not being a dick, right? Right. The like, issue is some people are dicks, so, you know, like in theory, yeah, exactly. really, we wouldn't exactly. need to like it, if people it, were virtuous, we wouldn't need it, to tell them not to murder people. Yeah. When is there when is this uh, an infringement upon people's freedoms? And when is it? Hey, man, don't be a dick. And if you're a dick, there will be consequences. Right. Well, that's and, basically the punk scene. Yeah. I mean, that's basically any good self governing scene. And that's the issue with real, you know, toxic corners of the punk scene. But the good parts of it are, yeah, they're they're definitely they're self governing, and they're usually usually pretty reasonable, and I think give um, artists a free space to go crazy, and um, you know, people who are using that freedom to be assholes and be abusive, uh, the fucking boot. And that's cool. On a on a unrelated to, we're getting into like an esoteric trap here, but oh yeah, we're gonna si- spiral pretty quickly. On, on a less esoteric trap tangent, um, yeah. Man on the Moon three uh, reminded me of how old we are. Oh God, I know. It's uh, it, it and the whole album is basically about how old we are. <laughs> Like, the whole thing is basically, you know, if he's old, we're old at like, this point. When did the first one come out? God, uh, I want to say 2000. And I'm nine? saying 8. 09? 09. Let, let's, uh, let's check here. I just did a Goog. September 15th, 09. Beautiful. Yeah. And, uh... That was a long-ass decade ago, and one incredibly bad year, so... Well, I just, like, I remember that coming out and, like, listening to it, like, skateboarding a lot and being like, no one understands me except for Scott Maskety. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all had that moment where the hum touched our soul. You just, like, let's look at the track list on on that record. I mean, like, I think I vividly remember being at a dance at Springbank Middle School and not wanting to be there because, yeah. you know, fat kids don't do dances. What? Yeah. I used, actually, I used to break, break dance. I used to do spins and uh, handstands. Okay, word. Not really. I was fat. We should almost start our own podcast about like like that's just for people who were fat kids who are not now. That's such a niche, but it's also a really big niche. Okay, but the like the <laughs> twenty people actually that is a big niche. The people though that that pertains to would feel so seen. Oh yeah, for sure. They would be like, oh my god, someone finally gets it. But like heart of what a lion that Fresh hit me. Marks. Cootie zone. Mm. 
like stretch marks. <laughs> solo Dolo, like Solo Dolo three. That's what hit me. I was like, I was thinking about these defined markers in my life that Man on the Moon records have been involved in. Yeah. And here I am being like, geez, am I going to get hooped on my taxes from claiming like CRA benefits and also still listening to a new Cuddy release and being like, oh yeah, right in the heart. <laughs> yep. Some things never change, man. Some things never change. Also that I Phoebe know. Bridgers song has some sauce on it. Oh my God, I'm getting a call. All right. Roll time. Roll time. You know, okay, so first, let's get your thoughts on Man on the Moon 3. Pardon? What did you think about Man on the Moon 3? For me, personally, uh, it was good. I really liked it. It wasn't everything I maybe hoped for this year, but at the same time, I think an album that reflects positive growth for an artist I love, like that always makes me happy. Um, but it maybe it didn't personally hit for me the f- way the first two albums did, as much as some songs were fantastic. Um, yeah, that that's all. I've only listened to it once, and I hate giving thoughts on an album after one listen. Right. So, yeah. My first glance take is that it's like it, it, the front half feels like Cuddy trying to like make the same album that everyone else now makes. Yeah. Which I didn't need. But the back half was like, it felt like some progression. We got that Phoebe song. That's that's an emo kid world collide. Yeah, I would I I would agree on that. I felt like it was the most uneven of those three albums of the trilogy. But at the same time, I think part of that comes from not just progression musically, which I do think you see a bit on the second half, like you said, um, a little bit of like genre collision and stuff like you love to see with Cuddy because he's always kind of messed with that. But at the same time, I think the stuff that felt more, I don't know, party or throwaway, it also reflected, I think, his progression as a person and kind of moving away, I think, from, uh, you know, maybe that emo kid image a bit, which I begrudge on one level, but I can't hate on, on another. You know what I mean? Well, I was thinking about that stuff like just the emo kid stuff. And I was like, like, it's pretty clear why we liked the things we think are cringy now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like anything angsty that was angst fueled. I mean, it's the reason new metal was like a thing at all. A lot of that stuff is just not, is barely music. It's ter- It's just whatever. But it, it got incredibly popular because there are a ton of kids that related to what a lot of those guys were saying, as trashy and maybe not well thought out as a lot of it was. I even think about, like, 
Like, I really liked Papa Roach when I was, like, eight. Yeah, me too. Like, listened on big Rasta-colored skull candies, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, I think everyone can relate to that. Like, Haley and I went to Papa Roach for the meme. Yeah. And I immediately started feeling bad when he's like, this song's for anyone who grew up in a broken home. It's called Broken Home. And, uh, but there's people around us crying. And I was like, oh, this, like, I realized in that moment how crappy it is to treat anything as, like, a guilty pleasure fetish or, like, a, a meme fetish because it's like, that means the world to some people. And, like, I know there are people that, like, I'll take ownership of, like, I think Elliot Smith is totally, like, derivative and a cliche, but I also love it, because that's the type of derivative cliche I am, like. <laughs> well, I think there's there's one of two ways to go about it. You can, you can ironically love something, or you can be someone who is trying to make other people's excitement over it diminish with your kind of faux, uh, insincere, you know, fake support or whatever, whatever form it may come in. And if you're the type of person who wants to make someone feel unexcited about something they're excited about, you're the worst kind of asshole there is. Well, it's like, they're, like some people, Taylor Swift means the world to them. And I like, I, I guess I can think of a million other artists that like actually write their own songs that yeah. probably would be more like maybe inspiring and positive and realistic yeah. for them to like look up to, but I can't hate on them being inspired or finding something in that. No. And I, I'm sure there will end up at some point be someone I really like who counts her as a big influence. And you can say that about any, just about any band that you think sucks. Like you really can't, you really can't. Right. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of bands that were super popular in heavy metal in the 90s that, like, love bands like The Cure, love bands like uh, The Smiths and Depeche Mode, and love that type of stuff, and we're incorporating that. Metalheads love that stuff all the same, but they would never be caught dead listening to a Cure album, or a lot of them wouldn't. And at the end of the day, that kind of means hey, you shouldn't shit on people for liking what they like because someday that thing you don't like might evolve into something that you're super into. Like, you listen to... Do you ever listen to, like, The Cure and just think about it as though you were, like, your parents hearing you listen to it? Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. It, it must have been, A, like, mind-blowing, but B, just, you know... It, it, especially if it was, like, you had never heard that type of music before and you somehow managed to get like pornography right like, jesus christ that must have been absolutely mind-blowing in like like the early to mid 80s you know that that was uh and that's what at least most of the kids who kind of picked that music up stuck with it all through that decade and even beyond that because you know it was it felt like a home I think. Whereas music now, I think you can find solace in it, but some of the great stuff with, you know, the quote-unquote democratization of music um, is also the bad stuff. And I think it is, you know, in general, maybe not the greatest thing, but 
it, it's it hasn't um, at least I think for us growing up there wasn't ever like a scene or a thing to latch onto because everyone was kind of into a little bit of everything and it made it really hard to actually find like minds I think and uh, I don't know what are your thoughts you know I like I watched the Oasis documentary, which is, was actually pretty mind opening. Um, but like Noel Gallagher, like at the end, it's them playing to like a hundred thousand people. And he's like, that'll never happen again, man. And I've heard people say this, like there will never be another Beatles. And it's like, why should there be, you know, like, like I think part of the, like the thing now is like, like I posted that like American football joke. I like made talking to Mark. Yeah. And yeah. because like never memes are a thing, but they're a yeah. thing for like us. Yeah. They're only a thing for people who are either into that music or here's, here's the thing. Like, I think that that and an actual, uh, for lack of a better word, safe place like for all the people that like I know come to mind for both of us who could maybe use somewhere where we all just, regardless of our differences, agree on just maybe the things we like or like just what we're into would be really great. And I don't think that that exists anymore. I don't think that has to do with like a superstar artist or even a movement, you know, of any kind. It's just that I think as everything has shifted apart, you now have, I don't know, uh, more disparate cultural elements than I think there's ever been, which is a great thing on one level, but I think also um, creates a sense of isolation and, uh, you know, like you're living on an island a little bit for a lot of people. You know, I try to interpret that though. It's like, so on one hand, like someone like Phoebe Bridgers is like a superstar in our world. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, like Punisher is the first record in a long time to actually sell out of physical copies the first day. Yeah. But the, at the same time, like my sisters don't know about Phoebe Bridgers. Like you, you can like go on infinite amounts of dates with people who don't know about Phoebe Bridgers. Absolutely. Yet at this, like anything Phoebe does, it's like the people we hang out with, like anytime Phoebe does something funny, I see four people story it. Yeah. And what that is, is that, that is, uh, that's always existed. Like, I think, even though there aren't, um, the, to me, there doesn't seem to be like an actual, uh, maybe countercultural alternative beyond things that are happening outside of like politics and activism. Like there isn't a countercultural thing. Like it's, it, there, there's, um, there are alternative artists and stuff like that. And there is an alternative, but, yeah, there can be whole like full-blown superstars within that alternative that no one knows about outside of the people who listen to that thing. And that's what I mean when I say, you know, I think uh, you can grow up in a high school or, uh, you know, a small town or even a big city where you feel 
totally isolated from other people. And there might be other people right next door to you who love all the same stuff as you. You just don't know it because there isn't like, you know, Phoebe Bridgers fan club meetups anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that, yeah, like, you know, you talk about feeling isolated as part, part of that is that you're not around people who like get the shit that you like, obviously. And I think, I don't know. I think that's maybe, um, it, I, I just, sometimes I feel like that is something that like we've missed out on because at the end of the day, the music that, uh, you know, uh, people that like liked in the eighties that we now listen to and think of as super cool, like their friends didn't know about it. You know what I mean? And the people around them didn't know about it, but then they found people who could because you could, I don't know, navigate and make your way through that. And I think because of the internet and because of the fact that you can just segment yourself off into your own little world so much more easily now, everyone's kind of doing that a little bit. I mean, hell, especially like in our current year, but I don't know. I'm rambling. Well, it's even like everyone has their own stars now. So it is like, like, did I send you that Doug DeMiro thing? It was just like every Doug DeMiro this in chronological order. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. that dude is like one of the top YouTubers. Yeah. But being one of the top YouTubers means I still had like two friends that would find that as funny as I did. Yeah. And, and that's, that is kind of the age of like, that's, that's what I'm talking about trying to get to in my, uh, you know, circular thinking way is it seems like the internet has made it so that there are communities that exist on there over the like one thing that everyone kind of likes together. And you can be in 20 of those and not know anyone who likes the things that you like in real life. You know, it's and weird. that's incredibly isolating, I think, for a lot of people. It's weird at the same time, though, like, because it also depends where you're putting yourself. But, like, say, like, I find a lot of the records that I freak out about and I don't know anyone else who wants to talk about, like, how much they love Gillian Welch. I mean, now that I'm involved in the circles I'm in, you know, that's a pretty popular topic, but it's yeah. like, like just, it seems like I have an easy enough time finding these records in record stores. And so if they, it's, if it's worth it to bring in the purple mountains record for hot wax, then yeah. that does mean that there are like at least probably several people in Calgary that are willing to spend $30. A hundred percent. Dave Berman's last, like basically yeah. suicidal ideation record. Like, a hundred percent. And I think that like, that's what I mean when I say you can be living next door to a person who loves that same thing you love and you'll never know it. And right. you'll move to another house and never possibly meet your fucking best friend for life, you know? And it's because at the end of the day, it's easier to just go on your fucking, you know, silver Jews, purple mountains, uh, meme group than it is to, you know, walk around your neighborhood and maybe hear the guy playing the same record. Totally. Or to even get to that place at all. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. 
Well, it's even, I was talking about, and I think this pertains to the same kind of idea. Like, like the person I've been seeing is like, not someone I ever would have approached. Like if it was like, if it wasn't for my sister being like, Hey, this person is someone you get along with. Yeah. Like, like I, and I've had the conversation with her. It's like on Tinder, I would have swiped left on you. <laughs> That's wonderful. And not physically, but it's no, like I'm literally, not. cause it's like, Oh, you're like conventionally attractive and might've had an office quote in your, bio and on that basis i would have gone not in my like mental hole so oh my god and i know that's like a part of my own neurosis but i also think that's a thing people are almost kind of programmed to do it's like no everyone everyone has like these ridiculous lists of cardinal sins when it comes to those apps that make no fucking sense like if you meet someone that you like you know you like them from like the moment you fucking meet usually generally speaking you kind of know well it's right? like even like, you, you'll like grow to like really love a coworker that you thought was whack the first day yeah oh yeah and that's the other thing there can also be horrible first impressions and stuff but even like if it's a re i, I almost feel if someone has a really horrible first impression it's like that might be chemistry on its own right yeah yeah uh Whereas if, if someone's bland, like, you know, okay, I'm probably not going to go on another date with them or I, like I, they're nice, but whatever. Right. And, and you can think that someone is totally bland and whatever, just from their five lines of text now. And right. that's really, really dangerous because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you have no idea until you see someone face to face. You really don't. Yeah, and it's so I th I think that's a big mechanism for kind of separation. Even that's what I'm seeing in like like musicians fighting with each other right now about political things. It's like we don't it's never like, "Hey, who'd you vote for?" when you're like, "Whoa, you have that pedal too." Yeah. Like yeah. like you if you're like, "Oh, you have the like Earthquaker Devices Rainbow Machine." That conversation normally doesn't get less specific than that. You know, like it normally doesn't expand to broader territory. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Exactly. Right. Like, so the thing is like when you find the person who like <laughs> is into that, you guys just go into yeah. that hole. You're not like, Oh yeah, yeah. How do you feel about oat milk? Like, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about oat milk? But on Facebook, it's totally like oat milk, Joe Biden. If you don't like those things, fuck off. Like, yeah, it's well. Look, I, I think if you're um, if you have a big platform and you have earnest, well thought out, sincere political beliefs, you should voice them. That being said, if you are using those beliefs to further the uh, corporatist status quo in which we our, se our separation, I don't mean COVID-19, that's a public health concern. I mean our separation through social media, our separation through the anxiety surrounding the internet and kind of, you know, fear of missing out, all these modern uh, uh, ailments that our generation and the generation uh, just before us seem to kind of come up with uh, by ourselves. I mean, 
I, I just, I, I think, um, like, oh, God, I totally lost it. God. Like I, I, falling into the separation trap? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe you have Kanye syndrome right now. I am, like, very, uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I think Joe Rogan should be, like, the minister of mental health for the world. I didn't hear the last part. I think Joe Rogan should be, like, in charge of mental health for the world. Because he Probably. I, he may He's actually... Best. Actually, th- this, is, this is, like, going to lose listeners. Because I've noticed that, like, among the wrong crowd, you mention Joe Rogan and they start, like, you watch them boil. You, like, yeah. you said the code word. Um yeah, it, 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 I, I just think he rubs a lot of people the wrong way, more than anything. And, you know, they'll give what they believe to be, like, super legit reasons uh, for not liking the guy. And, and I get them if, if you think that that's uh, what he's about. Um, that being said, I think... Uh, I think uh, that there's maybe a little too much furor directed at him when there's other people who are actually platforming really bad messages, like really horrible ones and actually not asking questions, uh, to, to, I don't know, expose those people for who they are. Cause that tends to be the criticism with him. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and from what I've seen personally, um, and these are usually through like leftist YouTube pages where it's leftist YouTubers reacting to clips from him. Uh, I mean, he's, he seems to like usually ask stupid people questions and make them look even dumber than they already are. Like that's kind of the vibe I get. I don't know. I can see thinking he's like, uh, yeah, sorry. Keep going. uh, I just think he rubs people the wrong way simply because of kind of the image of the guy. Like, he's a fight commentator who, uh, you know, does pretty politically incorrect comedy, and he kind of looks like, you know, your average Joe dad knucklehead in middle America, and I think that really rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And I get why. I do get why. I just think that you probably shouldn't judge someone based on your assumptions about them or your first, you know, your first judgment. Well, even like, yeah, it's it's like the hunting thing or like, I I can totally, and even his mannerisms can totally be a little too dude, bro. And I get that, but of course, like, like if he was in his like icon behind me in traffic, tailgating me, I'd be like making up the story of why this person's a terrible person awful human being yeah if i hadn't seen his podcast like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah for sure because because that's what you do with everyone right well you're like evolved to do that you're evolved even to like it is interesting this like like prejudice is a funny thing because we use it at our convenience and then get mad at it when it is not at our convenience like 
like we apply prejudice even just to, like figure out who I mean like what I was talking about earlier like literally I was applying a prejudice when I was like oh yeah like that's not a girl I would approach at a party because like literally just because I'm like oh she's too pretty for me that like just by virtue of like how you present that way I'm like just I mean make I'm evolved everyone is evolved to make these assumptions it's the same way that like liberal people like look for the other liberal people and conservative people look for the other conservative people so that they can like figure out who's safe oh you're cutting out just that like looking for like you end up growing it's like skaters wearing vans in the 70s like if you saw someone wearing vans you're like oh that's probably a safe person for me to go talk to about skateboarding yeah you had a you had a little trap based on shoes yeah it's just these like there are these assumptions and these like evolutionary like basically prejudice methods that do in our everyday life often benefit us and also often don't like Yeah, well, and I, I mean, we're talking about, like, uh, you know, uh, laws by their very nature are, like, discriminatory and an infringement on people's freedoms. But at the end of the day, there are discriminations that should probably be made. Like, you, you probably, like, shouldn't give heroin to kids. You right. You probably shouldn't beat your wife up. You probably shouldn't, you know be be a dangerously antisocial and uh, 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 you know uh, derelict to society those aren't good those aren't good things right um, but at the end of the day uh, it, 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 life kind of all comes down to uh, making the right judgment calls as to what uh, your prejudices are gonna be I think and I think generally speaking, I get along better with people who are less prejudiced. I think, you know, most of my friends do, I hope. Um, But at the same time, um, they have their very own set of prejudices, right? We all do. And um, I think life is just about trying to find the right set for you. And in my opinion, trying to find the right set that, uh, hurts the fewest amount of people while getting you the furthest uh, in this crazy, freaky-deaky world. Right. I, I went to the Because, Lakers. like, I'm not saying... Pardon? <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yeah, like, I'm not saying uh, prejudices, obviously, uh, in the normal sense of racial prejudices or sexual prejudices. I mean, uh, just prejudices and literally, uh, you know, I'm lactose intolerant, so I don't like ice cream. That's a prejudice. But it's a natural one occurring because your tummy hurts when you eat milk. Well, it's even down to these, like, it's these situations of, and and honestly, like, it's amazing. I, I love when someone fully defies my expectations of them. Um, yeah. But like it is like people apply them in all these ways that they don't know about or don't recognize them or think are harmless. Like, Oh, that dude's in a denim jacket with a bunch of pins on it. Probably a guy I'd get along with. Yeah. 
like you use that all day long and you evolve to use that. But then it like, we have those situations like that dude outside of broken city and I won't quote the name of his song on this podcast, but why but not? Bretton? At first I'm like, here's a crazy guy. And by the end I was like, here's a guy that I think should run the city. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly a genius. Oh, Man, evidently. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's clearly a genius in his own, um, like, kind of Wesley Willis-esque way. But um, he might be the white Wesley Willis. We'll see. We'll see how things go for that young man. Do you remember Uh, his name? Again, let's not remember it on the podcast if we can, right? Right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) I think he needs a fully crafted stage persona with, like, a cape and, like, horns. He needs like like yeah. whoever does PR. I don't mean I don't mean playing horns. I mean physical horns on his head. Right. Yeah. Well, I was like, about to say whoever does PR for Guar should be needs to help him achieve his potential. I think we should just help him achieve his potential. Do you want to be art directors for him? That would be amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. Again, tangent. <laughs> 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 Uh, you're going to listen back to this and be like, literally 5% of this is usable, Callum. Yeah, I'm like, I'm already trying to decide. I Like, I don't think we've like asserted anything too hardcore, but I'm like, should I let people know that I do watch JRE? Will that get me canceled? <laughs> I, but I think like that's gold in and of the, like, like just the fact you're having like an existential crisis over what fucking podcasts you watch is such <laughs> a fucking comedy goldmine, you know? <laughs> I like, you know, it's funny as I was sitting there watching uh, Whitney Cummings and Taylor Tomlinson because Kylie texted me and was like, something's wrong with Whitney. Why? <laughs> what? Why? Why? Okay. Oh, Whitney's clearly spinning out. Kylie like made a really good case for it, but. Okay. Uh, I could. You know what? Actually, she she uh, she said some interesting things on uh, Two Bears One Cave. So did she? Yeah, yeah. Just not about not like I'm spiraling, but just um, like she she was in an interesting state of mind. She was very like uh, I think just the nature of her relationship with Bert is that it's very confrontational. But uh, like as a joke, but there's just other stuff that seemed. Like, he talked about, like, at, speaking of Joe Rogan, like, that he he turns down all kind of film and stuff, and he just makes his own stuff and does his own thing. And she was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And Bert said, like, and I don't, you know, it very well might be the perfect thing for her because she's fucking, you know, the shit. But, um, you know, Bert said, yeah, I think that works for people, but it doesn't work for everyone. And she kind of, like, not, like, shook her head like I don't know and then they moved on but it it was just a weird like interaction in the grand scheme of the podcast well it was like on on that episode it was basically like Taylor Tomlinson telling her why she's a bad friend and her not really having any way around like (laughs) (laughs) like any way to be like no that's brutal dude but like Taylor Tomlinson wasn't being like mean about it. She was just like speaking the truth. You can't like, but it is like, it, I find it funny that I, I feel the need to like disclaim while we talk about this. It's like, you know, I might watch JRE, but I also watch Whitney Cummings. 
because yeah. I'm a diverse and intellectual individual. Well, you 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 have to you got to switch it up, and uh, I, honestly, I. I think our generation all watches the same shit. We just lie to the certain groups that we hang out with about what we watch so that we can get along with those people because we generally like them. Yeah. But there's these little stupid things that people are just, I don't know, prone to get super, um, um, uh, testy about testy. That's the word. Is that the first Caldy single testy? Oh, testes maybe. Yeah, yeah. Kick we we should testes. talk about that. We should talk about Caldies. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah. Now that we're, God, I don't know how long into this mess we are. We're forty-eight but, minutes into this disaster. That hopefully, I don't know. Either I'm, I can't decide. This either I, I don't really think there's enough people paying attention to the, my podcast, let alone on Christmas, to. Nah actually really jeopardize a following yeah i think you're fine but this may be the episode that like blasts it into space too i i god i hope so because uh lord could you imagine us co-hosting a horrible podcast like this together i can actually super imagine it i the... oh i know i know I'm, I'm not i'm not like it's a bad idea it's just like <laughs> What directors, uh, I'm trying to remember, it'll be on the New Year's episode, but um, Tanner, who, Tanner James, who will be on the next episode, was talking about reading this book, and it's one of those director duos who are a big deal, but about, like, basically, they're saying that you should just make your art in, like, whatever crappy suburb you're in. Like, that's just, you just have to start making things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel a real, like, Matt and Trey potential for us. Yeah, let's let's not get to delusions of grandeur here. We are pretty dumb. Right, and I think that's why. Yeah, I think we're more, I think we're closer to, like, maybe the workaholics guys, you know? (laughs) I, I can see us, like, pulling off, like, a, like... A Matt and Jake situation. Oh uh, yeah! Oh god, that would that would be that would be beautiful. Uh, I don't know if I could be Jake yet, but thirty-five-year-old me could be Jake for sure. I guess we're like kind of both more Jake than Matt. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like that show would be very. It would be even darker than the show already is. It might be like somewhat unbearable, at least for a, 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 a domestic audience. It'd be like a French show. That show, like, and, and did we mention what show? Corporate. If you're if you're listening and you don't you know have the to show, watch corporate. watch corporate. If you just if you're listening to this, just stop listening now. Anyways, for obvious reasons, but uh, watch corporate if you're gonna stop listening. Uh, but yeah, yeah, watch that show. It's good. Yeah, it's one of those shows like where I can't believe it actually exists. Well, it's just incredible that it's on like corporate network TV, like kind of network, but pretty much a corporate network TV station. Well, like it's like, a corp- a big telecom corporation owns the rights to that show. Everyone with cable can watch it. Yeah, everyone. Like it's, it's basic cable television. Yeah, and it's like. 
I also, that show honestly tends to actually make me more depressed than oh, yeah. whatever state I was in going in. And like, I keep coming back. It's like this abusive relationship, like where the sex is good. Yeah. I, I, I can relate, uh, for obvious reasons, but also just because, uh, I love misery porn TV. Like, <laughs> like I love like the leftovers. Um, like I just love anything, uh, with an extreme amount of like, human anguish because it gives uh it, it recontextualizes i think on a on a more subconscious level it recontextualizes why things are painful in real life right like it it, it gives you a really ridiculous out there version of how miserable things can be to maybe give you a different perspective on why you might feel miserable some of the time or why other people are going through such extreme anguish, you know? And on, on a more just pop culture level, I think I just like, uh, like intense stuff. Like I'd just rather watch something that makes me feel something than doesn't, even if it makes me feel more depressed than I already am. Well, yeah, you gotta like, I think there's a level to it, like that Duncan Trussell, Elliot Smith thing, where like Joe is like, "You got to stop listening to this stuff, man." Like I, oh do, yeah, I do notice there are times where I'm like not helping myself by watching BoJack for the sixth time and looking for new animal jokes. Yeah, but, there's a there's a real difference between like using the media that you consume to wallow and as a crutch or a drug, um, and just you know using it using it to, again, like recontextualize and, uh, maybe give yourself, I don't know, some solace in the idea that, uh, other people feel the same way as opposed to just wallowing in the idea that like, no one gets me except the people who make this, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think like, like the two extremes I've definitely noticed is there are like big chunks of time where I definitely don't have the bandwidth for that shit. And I like can only watch top gear. Yeah. Cause it's oh, like absolutely. car British dick joke. Ha. <laughs> yeah. I really love uh, videos about how to make cocktails on YouTube. Word. Love them. They're like 20 minutes long sometimes when they're just like ridiculous cocktails from the early 1900s. I never make them, but I'll just be sitting there having like, you know, a beer or a, a rum and coke, like something totally day class A, and he's making a corpse reviver number two or whatever the fuck, and I'm, I'm just enjoying the the kind of pageantry of it all. You get into like YouTube rabbit holes of things that you would never do, but you're like, wow, now I know everything about repairing vintage bicycles, dude. Absolutely. I think that's how, I think that's why YouTube exists. I actually think that's people try and talk about like talk down on that when it comes to YouTube, like, Oh, it's such a waste of time. But then I'm sure there's been people who have gone down a YouTube rabbit hole that became their whole life. And now they have their own business. Have you heard Duncan Trussell talking about how he rabbit holes on YouTube? No. Like opening, he makes some joke about like opening the next fold and he's just like, you start watching something crazy like flat earth 
and then you look at the top comment and you go to their channel and you look at their liked videos and then you just go through that until you reach the next dimension. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh, actually, I think I have heard that. that yeah, I think I have heard that. And it is true, like, if you, if you want to get crazy with it, you can get super crazy with it in, like, 10 to 12 clicks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's 4 a.m., and you're yeah. looking at property in the United Arab Emirates. Because why wouldn't you? And, like, because there's gold. Because there's gold, <laughs> you you like went down like a gold rabbit hole. Oh, there's probably Treasure Hunter YouTube. I just thought about that right now. There is. I've looked at it. It's way less interesting than you think it is. Because all it is is guys near ports and harbors with metal detectors and scuba wear. I like Dad YouTube. Dad YouTube is one of my favorite versions. Treasure of YouTube. hunting YouTube is Dad YouTube. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, I do love bad YouTube. I love bad TikTok. <laughs> I, I love Christina P uh, and her TikTok stories. Uh, shout out to the main mommies as always. Uh, uh, but oh my god, between the dad talks and the cartel talks, I get like my daily dose of wholesome and absolute like sinister uh, fucking carnage. Uh, I, I get it every day. I get every day. I'll just be like a lineup of cars and half of them have tigers in them and dudes with AK 47s. And that'll be like, this is how you frame a window. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I really want on the internet is just Will Smith, like saying into the camera with like broadly directed speech, the things he tells to Jaden. Oh God. I think, I think, that would be like the ultimate cancellation of all time. Yeah, I, 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 to me, it would just be like all the support I wish I had growing up. Oh, oh, we imagine their relationship so differently. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I want? I just want, I just want Will Smith. I just want. Uh, like a fire like you're talking kind of like a fire log idea of Will Smith giving you deadly support yeah yeah so I would like like a a virtual fire log of Will Smith just doing the ha ha like over and over again you know what's crazy is uh, I was watching I was watching the OG High Fidelity last night Okay. And Lisa Bonet as Marie DeSalle actually looks precisely how Zoe Kravitz looks. That's, I believe, the point. I do think that's the point. I just, like, I never realized, like, how uncanny the, like, similarity is in Lisa yeah. Bonet and her daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, they're, uh, it, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, I'm not yeah. sure Lenny was involved. I think that may have been just, like, asexual procreation. Uh, yeah, I don't know, like, I'm, I just think they're both super hot, and they made a super, uh, beautiful kid who looks like, obviously is gonna look more like her mom, because she's a girl. Yeah, well, and I guess to be fair, like, Lenny Kravitz does look somewhat similar to Lisa Bonet to start with. And he's just, he's a super handsome dude, like, so you can't, there's no, like, I don't, you know, 
there ain't any bad genes going in there. And if she, very regularly, like, uh, it, if, if you have kind of a beautiful family, the girls usually look like the, the, the mom, like exactly like the mom and the boys usually look exactly like the dad. You know, I'm really torn with high fidelity because I like, can't tell if I like still think it's cathartic. I think it indicates growth that I watch that movie now and I'm like, ow, that hurts. But also that's whack that I ever. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those movies that belongs on like the list of, if you thought this guy was the hero of the movie, you didn't understand the point of the movie, you know? Right, but like you still, it's not that Rob's evil, but like Rob no, is no, a person I'm not you don't want to be. Pardon? But he's still a person you don't want to be. No, and and that's the point. Like there is no hero or villain to it. At the end of the day, like you know, that there's the whole point. I think is really that there's issues with every character, and that you know, compartmentalizing it and objectifying it dehumanizes it and separates you off from them. But, um, you know, there's issues with every character and there isn't any hero or villain in that, but he is the ultimate example of like what you do when you are that guy, when everything becomes a fucking listicle instead of reality and conversation and connection. And, um, yeah, you, you are kind of allowed to be that guy. I think when you're like 16, but if you still find him relentlessly endearing at 22, you're probably kind of an asshole and should grow up. I uh, I showed my dad that Henry Rollins acid story, and he was just like, this is boring. When does the comedy start? And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's it. I think my mom enjoyed it, but like, I just... The thing is, too, like... I guess you, Rollins, you need self-awareness that you are indeed an asshole to find that endearing. Yeah, it, well, and it's also... Henry Rollins is not... He he is only doing stand-up comedy. Like, he said this, I believe, uh, paraphrasing, of course. Basically, he's only doing stand-up comedy because he was doing spoken word, and it was, like, really funny. And someone just told him, why don't you just do stand-up and market it that way instead? And he was like, oh, that's, that's, I'm an idiot. (laughs) And did it. But the reality is, like, he's more, he is still more doing kind of spoken word and just storytelling. So I I get why, you know, if you're Ed and you want just rapid-fire jokes, you know, it might bum you out. He liked Ali Makovsky, though, and that surprised me. She's pretty fucking rapid fire though. Like she's she, she is. She has a much more machine gun type style of joke telling, even if it's like not jokes that he uh, totally relates to or like totally gets. Like it's it, it, comedy is very often more about rhythm for people than it is about content, right? But then I showed him Annie Letterman, and he was like not into Annie Letterman. But she's I think more of like a storyteller situational she, person yeah she she is more slow paced like yeah ali makovsky is uh like she has like one-liners that are just fucking amazing uh and so does annie letterman but uh yeah i think it's more like situational and storytelling based the same way henry rollins is or any number of fucking amazing comedians but if you're someone who enjoys like 
bam, 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 joke telling. Joke telling's your thing. I get why uh, it might not appeal to you as much. I guess if you grew up, like, watching Andrew Dice Clay, too, you'd not, you know, that's certainly, <laughs> you know, like, like Dice is definitely a very different flavor of comedy than Tom Segura. Yeah. Yeah, that being said, like, I think there's cr- more crossover there than there is between that and Henry Rollins. Right. You know? And and there's more crossover between Tom Segura and Henry Rollins than there is between Dice and Henry Rollins, too, I think. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think, like, I think the modern comedians in general... Um, not that Henry Rollins isn't, because he's a still like doing stand up in earnest, but B has only really started doing stand up in the last few years. Um, but I, I think that I guess younger comedians, um, the the style ha- they've been able to like strike a better balance, I think. Whereas if you look back, there really used to be like storytelling comedians and just straight, like, jokes, you know? Like, there's a huge diff- a huge gap between Mitch Hedberg and, like, Dave Attell. Right. You know I mean? And they're the same era. But now, like, I think there's more crossover, and people do a little bit more of everything, but you still have those extremes, like, between a, a Jesselnick and a Dave Chappelle, or, you know, whatever. Imagine if three mics came out in the 80s. Holy shit. That would not have worked. Like, it's like the best comedy special I've seen now. But, like, yeah, I know it, that I know that in that time, dudes have just been like, why is this guy talking about his feelings? Like, I think in the have... 80s, every single man was from Boston. <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, I mean, like, prior to, like, 1995... Uh, men were made up of like 90% lunch and meat and 10% gorilla DNA. You know, it's like we were just absolute cavemen. We still are, but we know how to tie a, 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 a Oxford knot uh, for a job interview now. Yeah, we like read about toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> how nitrates are giving you cancer at 60. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's always the thing. If you watch Mad Men, and I'd like never got past like I think like season two of that show, um, but it is absolutely staggering what their diet is. And I know jokes have been made about this before, but like, holy fuck, dude! Holy fuck! Can you imagine just eating nothing but like olives wrapped in bologna and scotch all day? You know, it's really hard for me because I like in a very like toxic part of my brain see that shit and be like, "Wow, that would have been the time," and then I forget yeah. that I'm like a product of race mixing, and then I'm like, "Oh, that would not have been the time." Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're like, "That's cool." Oh wait, <laughs> not like I'm like, yeah. "Wow, it would have been so crazy to like see Bob Dylan in the '60s," and then I'm like, "Oh wait, my dad would have been an actual crime." Okay. He, he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't have been allowed in to see him. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's the and that's the reality. Is is it's always the best time to be alive, and we should actually always remember that if we ever feel like shit about the current situations that we're dealing with. That being said, you know, uh, 
if I think if you're self-aware, you should be able to separate between nostalgia, even willful nostalgia for like a time you never lived in and the historical reality of how truly shitty those times actually were and how all the stuff that you like from it is usually the product of strife and misery and things that you would not have wanted to go through. You know, the things like the next generation after us are going to like have ghost nostalgia for from now are probably things we don't even know about. Dude, I guarantee there's going to be people who are like, I remember when we used to wear masks. They're kind of cool. Like we had like fun designs on them. I guarantee it. (laughs) I mean, even just like, I don't know, like I came in with a Towns Van Zandt record. And they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, Towns Van Zandt. And I'm expecting my grandparents to be like, oh, yeah, Towns Van Zandt. And they're like, no, Ooh. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. So, like, I do think whatever, like, the next generation is like, oh, my God, to be alive during the time that, like, like a motorcycle was playing. Dude, well, it's always the joke of, like, uh, uh, yeah, also, sh- shout out to them, amazing band. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's always the joke of, like, who... Uh, everyone said they were at Woodstock, right? Right. And, you know, everyone said they saw Led Zeppelin play before John Bonham died. Like it's it, these these things, the, these things have always been the case. Where it's like the the uh, it, it, nothing is ever seen as being as good as what it is until it's long fucking gone. Generally speaking, even things that. like achieve superstardom at the time it's like you know if you grew up in rural x y or z place that shit didn't reach you generally speaking yeah or even outside of like the city where it was happening no that's oh yeah for sure that's the other thing a lot of shit was regional and then you know, would find later life on like a, a repressing or someone had found master tapes and, you know, decided it was fucking brilliant and put it out on their own label. Like that's, that's pretty common. I believe that's like a decent chunk of things that Townsman Sant has uh, had released posthumously. There's a story about him having lent, what was it? It was like he lent a guitar to Blaze Foley. Yeah. And then Blaze Foley, and it's like a hearsay story. It's not necessarily validated, but of Blaze Foley pawned the guitar and was buried with the the ticket in his in his jacket pocket when he died. Yeah. And that Townsend Zant like had like was it Steve Earl? Like this gaggle of, of people go like help him dig up Blaze Foley's grave to get the ticket back to go get his guitar from the pawn shop. Oh my god, that's amazing. That's not stuff that like that. That really like the fact that that story is even considerable really tells you because like the premise was that like Towns Van Zandt was staying with someone. Like people don't really realize that like those dudes were homeless. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, every, sorry, small sidetrack, can we normalize uh, artistic poverty? Oh, yeah, like, and yeah. I, and I'm not saying normalize that artists should be underpaid and undervalued, because that's bullshit, I don't mean that, I mean normalize that it's okay 
to be poor in order to make the things you want to make if that is your fucking life's mission. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't let anyone tell you differently. You shouldn't let anyone tell you to get a fucking office job because you're 35 and what do you have under your belt except some songs? Go fuck yourself. Leonard Go Cohen was mostly poor. That's the thing, right? Yeah, like, dude. Well, and he lost all his money when he was like 70. <laughs> like the worst time ever. No, but he also like he got totally hooped by Columbia on the first two or three records too. Oh yeah, so. no, I mean, I mean, he he was poor as a younger artist, and then once he was almost basically retired, lost all of his money with his accountant, didn't he? Yeah. If yeah. Leonard Cohen, you know, it's so funny watching him because he was Buddhist too. So he talks about that. He's like, I guess the money, it's it's gone. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Like he's simultaneously like so like old Jewish man and so Buddhist about it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, those two things are closer than you think they are. Oh, they are, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's like with the money and but... it's gone and and no one deserves anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's uh definitely something. Look, I I used to go to summer camps at the JCC. And that is totally the type of thing you would have heard in the locker room with men who are entirely comfortable just walking around with their dicks out. And honestly, that is really zen. Like, just talking about extreme loss with your cock fully out in a change room with summer camps going on, like, that is pretty Buddhist, right? It is pretty Buddhist. Yeah. You need a certain level of just, like, absolute unfuckwithableness. To, to fucking do that. You know what? Uh, a thing I think about is like guys always talking about like, like it's very common to be like, Oh, guy in a truck, small dick. It's, it's really absurd to me. This like talking about like dick size because there's nothing you can do to change it other than plastic surgery. Yeah. And it, it's a, uh, it's a funny thing. It's like, uh, it's a thing where you're, you are totally, you're totally, uh, not allowed to like make fun of people for things they can't control, which is a good thing, like uh, sex and uh, gender and uh, race, all these things. Uh, but you can definitely make fun of someone for having a small dick, which is like, I'm fine with, I don't care, but also is kind of funny because it's just, it's like that. I mean, it's something you can't control. It's just, it's so funny to me because it's just like, like, can we pick something that I just, people talk about it as though you could like go to the gym. (laughs) Come on, man. Like, oh my God, I did it. I went to the gym. Do they actually? (laughs) I just like, like, you know how people talk about like people who are maybe like less in physical shape than they potentially could be. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's like that same type of discussion. I think that also, though, has to do with the type of guys who are having that discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's the type of guys who are like, yeah, man, if you just fucking put some D-ball in your ass, like, you know, you'll be ripped. They are kind of the same type of dudes who are like, bro, like, what's wrong with you, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about how weird our high school was. Like, how absurd. Do you talk to people who went to normal schools and realize how absurd our upbringing was? Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. Like, Like you you say things... It actually 
it makes me upset and angry, but also thankful because it's a, it's blessed me with uh, upsetness and anger. Oh yeah, it's definitely like inspiring and strange. Yeah, but it's just like I think about like we you had our kids who were like the children of like the owner of Suncor. Oh yeah, and it's like it makes no sense that I was going to that school and like you know got made fun of for having clothes with holes in them and like was going to school with kids who were bringing $4,000 laptops into the cafeteria. Yeah. To like play Minecraft. But that was so weird too, is like you had like the total like chads, like you had full on Dawson's Creek, like, which I always felt like, um, I always loved the soap opera a little bit. Cause I, I, I would watch it. I would watch it a little bit. I'd see, you'd see real performative, uh, like, like you said, it's like Dawson's Creek and kids like play shit out in high school. That is like very, um, you're surprised when you get to high school, how much it's like a teen TV show, but in none of the ways you expect Yeah, because it's, it's all just people subconsciously acting shit out. They've seen on these TV shows, right? well, especially like, like your average high school doesn't have, like if you went to bone S high, there's not going to be like, you know, the hot football player who also dr- daily drives a 65 restored <laughs> Mustang. Yeah. But that yeah. did exist where we went to high school. And at the same time that that existed, the other extreme stuff where it's like, oh, this girl has a secret speedball habit. Yeah, dude. Like, there's the kid who got, like, kicked out of our school. He's, like, two two grades ahead of us. I don't know if I should say this. Whatever. I don't care. I don't know him. Uh, but he... Uh, he uh, he got kicked out of our school for having a serious heroin habit and having a ton of heroin under his bed. We're in like grade nine, and I remember he got expelled. And it was like, people do heroin at this school. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is like my because my sister's still there, and they took all the doors off the bathroom so that kids couldn't vape in the stalls. And it's like I know I have good friends. Who did way, way worse? Yeah, than yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's it, that. That's uh, that's fun. But then, that's, like, do you talk to normal people and like just watch their faces when you tell them stories about high school that you thought were normal? I don't. I try not to talk about high school too, too much. Yeah. I've definitely been in the situation where I just like fully had normalized all of our experience. Give me a, give me your best shot, baby. Give me Pat Benatar time. Give me your, give me your Springman story that has made someone go, what did you just fucking tell me? Oh, just even being in the zone of like, oh yeah, this like person that was friends with like X person turns out that they actually, you know, like do speedballs and <laughs> while driving their dad's Bentley, like. <laughs> Yeah, that I I don't know. I think I think there there must be other schools where that's even more normal than it was at Springbank because that was like probably Spring, Springbank is like there. It's I just the mix. Most, the mix is the weird part. Yeah, I think for most schools, there's one or two extremes. You have kind of nice schools, quote unquote, and quote unquote nice neighborhoods with quote unquote nice kids and you know bullshit. They all have problems too, but those schools generally. Um, 
they maybe don't have the same problems as like underfunded, underprivileged schools in underprivileged, underfunded communities. Um, and we were neither underfunded or underprivileged, but we also somehow had this like weird seedy underbelly. Um, and yeah, I could see that being a weird juxtaposition for people. Like we, like I remember a kid got um, beat up so bad that like blood was leaking out of his ear and shit. Like, and it's like at the same school where I've literally seen kids like look longingly at each other like they're on fucking Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, it's well like, dressed it's like and having their weird. hair and makeup the identical way that it would be if they were actually on Riverdale. Oh yeah, like I mean. I am convinced that some of those girls did have on-staff makeup artists in their fucking homes. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like your like first time getting high, and then it's like, okay, our chef will make us tacos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's such weird. The, those to me are the weirder things about Spring is the, the juxtaposition of like the low life, high life shit. Because all those rich kids that we hung out with, they all wanted to be scumbags. Like, it was fucking so ridiculous. That's like but when they, I ran into those two dudes from our grade that like, that were like appropriating Verns. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fun. Uh, I felt I, so gross about it because I'm like, I'm here because like, this is where I inhabit, but like, you're yeah. just trying to play pool in somewhere that like, like Vern's is Vern's, but if you're there to be like, Oh, it's such a funny shithole. It's like, leave, go yeah. away. Yeah. Leave before Clint takes a symbol to your head. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you ever like look at the wall to see which symbols have blood on them? <laughs> blood and snot yeah. I, and it's not actually a thing but yeah i get it. yeah it's a lovely place and everyone should should go there oh it is actually a lovely place like i'm it really like it really this better is. not get conflated because i am a firm supporter of verns yeah no i'm it's the best I can't say it's the best bar in the city because we'll get canceled at the other bars because that's how it works now. But uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful place, and uh, it's nothing but good times. I've never had a bad time going to Vern's, ever, ever, ever. It is so funny how, like, our version of the city is entirely different than, like, other people. Like, my sister was talking about where they go out. She's like, I don't know, yeah. maybe like Kraft or National on 10th. And like every place she's listing in my mind is just like overpriced beer, disgusting. Yeah, no. And it's like I, I even just good restaurants, like you'll tell people about like these really good restaurants that are in Calgary you can go to. And they, they have no idea that they exist. They have no idea that they exist like whatsoever. Uh, it's uh, it uh, it blows my mind how. um <sighs> I just I think there's a lack of curiosity uh, with most people when it comes to like what's in their city. Yeah, they don't they don't really ever explore it too much. I think like every city actually can fully be cool. Yeah, I think so too. It like every there are people in every city like there are people in every city who absolutely hate where they are, and there are people in every city who love that city more than anywhere else in the world, and that's why they stayed there their whole life. So. 
I love that Winnipeg has so much of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Winnipeg, and uh, even though, of course, like, I moved here when I was pretty young, there's still things, like, I fondly remember about that place, because they, they are pretty unique. There's interesting stuff going on there. There's there's a lot of, like, um, from what I remember, there's a lot of areas you would not expect to be right next to one another. Like, there's a lot of, like... Um, uh, mixed income housing and um, a lot of like really nice houses that are right down the street from like busy, like almost, uh, uh, I would describe them like uh, Edmonton Trail and Calgary. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, it's an interesting city uh, from what I remember when I was like six and moved I think we need to go become uh, Churchill tour guides. I think that's a job we should actually seek out together. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Is your girlfriend down to move to Churchill? I don't know. We have we haven't gotten to the girlfriend point yet. Uh oh. Rut row. <laughs> Scooby Doo's upset. <laughs> I oh, mean, shit. even Adam if she Martin listens to this, she probably won't listen to it for an hour and twenty five minutes. Pardon? Even if she listens to this, she probably won't make it an hour and 25 minutes. Oh my god. If she does, she is your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and take that, Brett. <laughs> oh, jeebers. Oh, jeebers. <laughs> Jeeberino. Can we all have, like, catchphrases in our band? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think that's a great idea. I think we should have catchphrases and have them on, like, shirts, like our T-shirts. And I think wear maybe we should save normalized platonic cuddling for the Caldies T-shirts. Have you? I thought you made those shirts. I did not make those shirts. I made. A, I did a graphic for them, though. Yeah, no, because that, 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 that is a slogan that slaps, as that the kids slap. are saying. What's yeah. up with slang? It's slang. Slaps. That's like... I just... I like to imagine, like, the ways that a dad could get slang wrong. Yeah, like, uh... See this bass that I caught the other day? This slaps. Yeah, or just like... Wow, my daughter really slaps in her prom dress. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that's good. I, I really did a slaps job of putting the winter tires on. A slaps, a slapping job. <laughs> <laughs> it was lit and fire how good the tires went on the car. Tim really slapped his essay, and I'm proud of him. <laughs> he gave me a lit smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This sounds like the most like genuinely like concerned and caring father too. <laughs> I went to my daughter's dance recital last night, and you know what? After twelve years sober, I can say that was the most slapping club I've been to my entire life. <laughs> I feel like we should probably we're approaching a half hour or an hour and a half. We should probably like wind this down but also uh, like you know when you're on the road to nowhere there's like hard to know what a destination is when the destination isn't a destination wow that was deep wasn't it? that was insightful i didn't just say a bunch of words i yeah for sure 
it wasn't just word salad. Um, I told, yeah. Honestly, though, word salad can get you places these days. Look at us. Look at us go. Did you? I like. I'm always surprised when I say something I think is funny on the internet, and then I like make people very angry. <laughs> uh, my most yeah, well, recent hit was that the national is just leonard cohen with better instrumentation that actually made people upset oh people were like annoyed about it why like, like my own friends unless i was misreading them see that's the problem with the internet they may have just all been giving me a hard time they I think they're giving like, you a hard time. like ironic they're... angry reacts but yeah i think they're giving you a hard time there but I mean, like, I think it's a valid comparison because I was just, I was listening to Leonard Cohen. I'm like, wow, this person's insane. And then I thought about Matt Berninger being like bluebirds on our shoulders. And I'm like, okay, so. Yeah. Well, and the, it, I mean, there's no question that he's drawing inspiration, right? Like, oh, evidently. And I mean, you can't, I, yeah, I don't know. I doubt there, it, the, there is a real issue with the internet and uh, people seeming more or less pissed off than they actually are and then situations get out of hand for no reason other than just blatant miscommunication you know what i've noticed though is like every time i start like like langhorn slim's instagram has really inspired me because like somehow he gets a bunch of songs licensed for subaru commercials but like talks about birthing his cat oh my god which i find really amusing yeah, that's that's a very strange juxtaposition. And uh, and I'm like, okay, so evidently, like being yourself is working for these people. So then you yeah. like try to do it, and I'm like, oh, five people unfollowed me this week. Yeah, well, there, you you gotta be yourself until you find the voice. I think. Yeah, right? I think that is the case. And I'm not, I'm not. You, have, I think you have a, a wonderful uh, artistic voice, um, but I think that. I think that people totally misconstrue a lot of what you think and what you say and what you are outside of what you make artistically, because, um, it's, it's, it's hard not to on the internet for a lot of people, I think, you know, or just at all, even it's like, I don't know. Like if you had only heard shaky graves music, it would be easy to think he was like a suspender guy. <laughs> suspender <laughs> yeah it, it's funny how that's an archetype now yeah like <laughs> a lumineer i wonder if it was when, sorry uh i wonder if it was when like suspenders were actually popular like in the 1920s like if it was like look that suspender we're an asshole over there yeah. <laughs> Can you just imagine being like, oh, yeah, like, like we're Model T's, like, Beamers, where you're like, oh, friggin' Model T cut me off. What a I, I love going back, circling back to Top Gear. Uh, I love that episode where they talk about, like, um, oh, God, uh, the, the F-type Jag. And, um, like, just the idea of, like, if you were on a country road in England when that came out and it shot by you, how fucking crazy that would be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure it was the same with the Model T and, like, pr production cars as they got increasingly better. I'm sure there are moments of just, like, what the fuck was that? Can you imagine, like, the days, too, like, when it's just you would have tried to have a nicer horse than your neighbor? I wish. Like fucking John and his his thoroughbred, or like his he's he's got an Arabian thoroughbred. What what an asshole! What a dick! He's so sure of himself. I bet he thinks his horse farts don't stink. 
yeah, well, or like, uh, or like, just like, uh, you know, the size of the wheels on your wagon. You know? <laughs> Word. Yeah, like it's 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 uh, we've come a long way, and in many ways we haven't come any distance at all because we're still comparing all of our material possessions to one another. Do you think there's some poet that was like the 1870s version of Fifty Cent, and he's just like, he's just like, and my wagon has a circumference of. It's like the equivalent of like every chick I fuck with is a nine. Yeah, you can fuck me. You can find me in the saloon. <laughs> <laughs> bottle full of moon <laughs> jar full of moon really got the point. finest martin guitar out of nazareth pennsylvania sir <laughs> uh, i got new leather shoes <laughs> from cobbler i win yeah. so many standoffs you know because i'm still alive You know, it's like still in most of like most like pioneer countries' constitutions have some type of dueling law that has not been amended. Yeah, but you know what? I kind of, I kind of wish that we still did them. I oh, honestly, though, did. I think like if someone was brave enough to duel Jason Kenny, they should be the premier if they win. Yeah, that that probably makes sense. Until I mean, someone else is brave enough to duel that person, and if they're a better shot than. Bam. Dude, honestly, that should probably... Should I do it? You should challenge Jason Kenny to a duel, yeah. That'd I could see him actually, like, being a good shot, though. I don't know. I, 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 he, 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 he strikes me... He strikes me as a poser. He strikes me as, like... Like, he's got all the prejudices down pat, but he doesn't have any of the cool hick skills. Oh, I'm not saying cool hick skills. He seems like one of those guys that's, like collects guns because society doesn't oh, doesn't oh, get yeah. him. a gun i could see him being a gun nerd yeah yeah no, totally yeah yeah totally yeah yeah like he knows the specs on his glock 9 but that doesn't mean he's a good shot no it that doesn't is. but he probably like knows the physics of it you realize that yeah, like every yeah. politician's a nerd i think that's what people miss yeah, of course they are, because they're literally all, like, unless it was, like, their fucking dad or wife or husband bought them a Senate seat, which is now happening a lot in the U.S., but, um, and here, I'm sure, too, we just don't hear about it as much, but other than that, I mean, it's all people who graduated top of their class at the top law school in whatever fucking country they're from. Like, yeah. They're all dorks. They're all total dorks. They all love Lord of the Rings. They all they all got beat up at one point. Like they're all nerds and they're all insecure, and that's why they're megalomaniacal, crazy people. That's why drugs aren't legal. Yeah, oh for sure. Because like everyone who did them didn't get into politics. Yeah, or if they did, they're totally marginalized. Because like, there's no way Bernie Sanders got through the '60s without dropping acid. Yeah, that's true. You know, but like he's also a nerd. I'm not saying he's not a nerd. It's just like the 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 cool nerds who have managed to slip through, they get totally marginalized. I'm surprised there's not like an active desire to get Bernie Sanders to tour his folk record. Honestly, it's pretty bad. It is pretty bad, but like. But I would still pay to go see it. Yeah. 
Like, it's all just him covering Woody Guthrie. <laughs> now it's time for the songs, and oh, where's my pick? <laughs> this thing, it's all him covering Woody Guthrie and making zero attempt to cover up that it's Bernie Sanders. He should do a tiny desk where it's just him trying to figure out the battery in a snark tuner for 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, just him setting up gear but not knowing how to because he hasn't done it since, like, when he made that album. And he's just getting progressively more red in the face and like, blah, blah, what the fuck, blah, blah. Yeah, just, yeah, that'd be a fucking, I would, I would pay good money to see that. If how they much made that, th- like, a pay-per-view, I would watch it. How much do you think it would cost to get Stephen Harper's Guns N' Roses cover band to play at your wedding? Oh my god, dude. I, I don't even think that much. Yeah, probably not that much. Yeah, I like that South Park where, like, Mr. Garrison's, like, back haunting the town, and they're like, the president's back. Because, like, when <laughs> when Harper moved back here, and he, like, like, Taylor goes to get food at Guitar Works, and he's like, Stephen Harper's at Fat Burger. And you're like, oh, yeah, my dad's seen him at Canadian Tire. Yeah, yeah. He's just, like, yeah, back, he's like... In the shadows, lurking around. Wait, did your dad see him at Canadian Tire? I thought your dad saw him at Canadian Tire. Yeah, he did see him. I thought you were saying yours did too, and I was like, what? No way. No, because like, yeah, if my dad saw Stephen Harper at Canadian Tire, uh, Stephen Harper would have been invited over for like Flat Earth Conspiracy Night. Oh my god, he probably would have come along, bro. (laughs) Fuck. We're getting into dangerous territory. We are. We are falling down a, a deep and dark hole. <laughs> Do we want to call it before we slander any ex-prime ministers further? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I don't know. But you know what? Yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> well, this has been delightful. I love you, my sweet, beautiful prince. Merry I Christmas. Love I, I, I love you too, sweet baby. Merry Christmas. I hope everyone in the world listens to this because I think it's it's what the world needs right now is two dudes with absolutely no direction <laughs> rambling about bullshit for an hour and 45 minutes. That's definitely like, don't talk to your family. I for sure have definitely sat all the way through. Okay, like I watched all of the Duncan Trussell at like the last one of yeah. JRE, which is like four hours long. Yeah, I've watched I've watched exceptionally long podcasts pretty much every day and like multiple ones for the entirety of quarantine. Yeah, so, we this actually may be a gift to society. Yeah, it's our little it's our little present. It's our little it's our little wrapped up red tinsel uh, package. And on that note. Sweet people of the world, all seven, whatever billion of you, I don't know, is the number dropping, rising? I don't know what's happening now. Yeah, I hope it's dropping. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not dramatically, just enough where global warming stops. (laughs) This brought to you by Ford. Moving forward to a greener future. Holy shit, dude! I don't think you can just make Ford a sponsor. <laughs> this episode not actually brought to you by Ford. Just it gets bleeped out. No one knows what the company is. Okay, you know if if Ford sued us, I actually think that would be the best PR 
for anything in my artistic career. Okay, sponsored by Ford. This is brought to you by Ford. This is paid for by Ford. All thoughts in this podcast are uh, are, are it, Ford's good with it. This is uh, yeah. This is brought to you by Ford of Vatican City. Yeah, Mustangs and and what have yous. The new 2022 Mustang Pope Mobile Edition. <laughs> Bulletproof glass on it. <laughs> it's it's not a pony car. It's a popey car. And that's the worst joke I've ever made. All right. <laughs> Call it. Call it. All right. Good night, my sweet prince. Love you, baby. Good night, baby. All right. Bye.